Welcome to Yoga Perspectives, a podcast from Heartwood Yoga Institute that helps yoga teachers and practitioners gain clarity in yoga principles and practices. Join us for down-to-earth conversations that make sense of classical and contemporary yoga concepts to deepen your understanding while keeping you connected, inspired, and awakened to yoga's full potential. And now, your host, Ginny Shattuck. Welcome, and thank you for joining us again today. Today, I am having a student of ours join us, um, Emily Daly. I'm going to let her tell you a little bit about herself in a few moments, but she tends to be a dynamo when it comes to marketing, and I myself have asked her for some counsel and advice. And in talking, we thought, boy, every yoga teacher needs to learn some of the information that she shared with me. So I'm going to let her introduce herself, and we're just really happy to have you here. Thanks. Hi, Yoga Perspective listeners. My name is Emily Penfold-Daily. I'll give you a little bit about my background. So I've been doing yoga since I was in middle school out of a library book. And then I became uh, fascinated by it later on in my life and uh, have now gone on. This is actually my last in-person 300 module. Um, And so I will now be a 500-hour registered yoga teacher with Heartwood Yoga Institute, which is awesome. Um, On the marketing side, I have been in the hospitality industry for 15 years and started doing digital marketing, including reputation management, digital marketing, traditional marketing, branding, all of that stuff about 10 years ago. And I've been doing that for 10 years. So I am both the vice president of marketing for a large hospitality company, and I also have my own consulting business on the side. Okay, Emily, um, now at the risk of sounding somewhat condescending to our listeners or even myself, sometimes people who are wonderful at yoga and follow the spiritual path, they're not so good at business (laughs) and are quite intimidated by it. And they have so much to share with the world, and yet it is so difficult for them to get the message out since this is not their specialty. And so if we don't mind... Can we start at the very beginning with just what is marketing exactly so that we can kind of ground ourselves in a subject matter that isn't exactly yoga, but certainly pertains to it for those of us that do have something to share with the world? Yeah, I'm happy to address that. And first, I just want to say for people who feel intimidated by this topic, there's a really great yoga teaching that addresses this, which is coming to everything with a beginner's mind. So there really is a benefit to coming at marketing or any other thing that you're learning about yoga or business or anything with this fresh perspective. So please know that all of us started at a place where you're wide-eyed and bright and curious, and that's a great place to start. So marketing technically is the act of promoting or selling a product or a service. But tactically, what it means when we're out in the world is any communication about your business, paid or unpaid. And that can mean things that you're saying about your business. And of course, in this age of hyper-communication, it can also mean anything that anybody is saying about your business as well. So it's really all-encompassing. That's wonderful. So why is this important for studio owners and yoga instructors to kind of get a grasp on this? Well, I mean, we want to get the message of yoga to as many people as possible because to bring everything together, it's going to make the whole world better. So 
the first piece is making sure that you're able to get your message out. And if you had just one person in your class and that yogic message resonated with them, that's wonderful. But that one person needed to have known that you were available to provide that message to them. Um, on a larger scale than that, you talk about this in the 200 hour when we're covering the, um, the business of yoga, which is really about you want to make this, if this is something that you're choosing to do with your life, you want it to allow you to experience success however you define success. So that might not be monetary success, but you want to make sure that you can experience success. And so that means that we need to be able to get that message out. Can you sustain yourself? Can you sustain your business? Can you sustain your community by doing this and getting it out to the world? And that's really important because well, not everyone owns a brick and mortar yoga studio or, you know, some big business. So they might think, well, maybe this doesn't pertain to me, but we are the commodity when we are an independent, you know, yoga teacher as well. So absolutely, I suppose this helps with them to find their audience as well. Yeah. If you're, if you're just a yoga teacher and you're like, well, I teach at a studio and I don't need to do marketing, that may be true, but you also have to recognize that you yourself are a brand and that's something that you can communicate out to other people. Again, if you can roll up your flag and let people know what you're into, you'll attract your essentially attract your tribe. So bringing other people that share those same views as you do. Well, that's wonderful. So how do we get started with marketing our business, whether that is a brick and mortar business or whether that is me as a personal yoga teacher. Well, Jenny, it all starts with little Yama and Niyama. So Svadhyaya <laughs> is a great place to start knowing a little bit about what your goals are as an individual and a yoga teacher, or even just a yoga practitioner, and then knowing what your business goals are. And I'll give you a really concrete answer. You could be in a yoga studio setting and you're like, well, I just want I just want to make more money for this business so that I don't have to worry about feeding myself at the end of the week. There's a few different ways you can do that. Do you want to sell more classes? Do you want to have more people in your classes? There's lots of different ways you can build a business. So knowing I want to have more yoga products that I'm able to get to people or I want to sell very specifically classes for beginners or I really want to hone in on yoga nidra or whatever that might be. Knowing very concretely what your business goals are is the first place to go. And then from there, you can sort of build out the rest of your marketing plan, which is thinking about what channels should I be on where my people are and then what are the metrics that I can use to decide whether or not those marketing initiatives have been successful. So are you talking about measurable goals, meaning it's not enough to say, I just want more people to take my class yeah. or I just want to make more money. Yeah. And so in measurable bill, you know, measurable units, are you saying I would like to go from having 25 students to 50? Yep. At the end of, you know, three months. Or right. if I, I would like to make this much money monthly in my servicing of yoga clients. Yeah, that's great. That's absolutely right. I mean, goals, the best kinds of goals are smart goals. Those are, you know, measurable and attainable and trackable goals. Um, so making sure that you have really clear goals and you, you're a business person yourself. So, you know, it makes sense to say, I'd like to do this over this period of time. I'd like to do X over this period of time. I want to have more yoga therapy students. I want to fill this class. I want to be profitable in three years. I want to sell out my retreat. Whatever those goals are, they should be measurable and there should be a time frame set to them. I will admit that I am a person who writes a lot of business plans. <laughs> 
And I do it in small increments because I am a business person and a teacher. And I've always been an advocate that success is not a dirty word. Mm -hmm. And that with financial success, often it allows us to have um, a more solid foundation. I can provide work to teachers that I respect and that I want to be a part of my team in a more, you know, uh, in a way that is consistent, that they can count on. And I find that if I am worried about money all the time and I have to, let's say, do a separate job, it means I'm not really able to be fully present when I'm teaching because I'm sort of thinking, should I be here or should I be there? And so I do think that success allows us to be um, 100% in to this you know, beautiful path if this is what we choose to do for a living. Right. And there's philanthropic goals as well. So some people who are aspiring to success might say, I want to be able to give back to this community or make future generations better or preserve the planet or whatever. And whatever those ultimate visions are can be advanced by a good business goal. Wonderful. So how do we get there? (laughs) Um, Well, I always start out with um, making sure I I sort of think about this in a visual way. I have a a very creative brain and I also have a very analytical brain. And so I like a quadrant. So if I'm thinking about how do I get to a business goal and start a marketing plan and I've never done it before and I don't even know where to begin, I think about it visually. So if you can imagine a four box quadrant in the top left corner would be owned stuff. So things I have full control over, like my studio space or my website or an email list or whatever. That's my the things that I have full control over. And I also think of um, things that I don't have control over. So that could be social media channels. That could be a, a community board where I'm posting things, things that that I don't own. And then I think about digital and traditional. So digital is Anything that happens on the computer and traditional very simply is anything that doesn't happen on the computer. And I find that things that are owned and digital will have the largest impact. So my website, I control all that content and it's digital. So it, it, I'm not worried about when that flyer blows off the telephone pole. It's not there anymore. What do I do? So it, it lasts for the longest amount of time and it has the potential to impact the largest number of people. So whatever that looks like for you, the first place I think of is where I might fall on that and what's the most impactful. Next from there, I sort of go into uh, what makes what's feasible for me as a business. Again, this goes back to Svadhyaya. What how much time do you want to commit to doing this? Um, is it does it work with your business goals or not? Right. I know that I have a toxic relationship with social media. So my yoga business will never if I'm doing it, will not be marketed on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, TikTok, because those that's a choice I've made for myself. I know that that's not something that I, I want to do, but that means I have to layer in more heavily those other areas and focus on those. So be realistic with what works for you. And then it's sort of just setting the steps in place. So is this a second quadrant? that we're talking about now or are we still on the first quadrant? oh this is all the quadrants these are so, all the quadrants so okay. the four quadrants are it in on the top left hand corner you have owned digital mm-hmm. and then immediately to the right of that you have owned traditional and below owned digital you have third party digital and then to the right of that you would have third party traditional so that's like magazine ads right if you're mm-hmm. doing yoga journal or a billboard or a you know telephone pole somewhere um, those are all traditional places that you don't directly control. I see. Okay. So, um, 
when do I know that it's time to do paid advertising rather than <laughs> word of mouth because somebody that took my class brought a friend? Yeah. So again, this goes back to knowing what's right for your business. If you're just starting out doing paid advertisement, unless you are going to invest in it, probably doesn't make sense because one of the keys with that is being consistent. So if you're going to spend the money making sure that you're spending the right amounts in the right places consistently over a period of time so you can see results. So first, think about business feasibility. Does it make sense? If you're a yoga studio, it probably makes sense if you've got a little bit of money coming in or you have larger goals, it might make sense to do some paid marketing. But if you're just a one-off yoga instructor who's teaching at a studio, you will probably be fine with organic, organic meaning anything that you do that's not paid. Um, So first is business feasibility and then just set some expectations in a timeline. So again, you might say, I want to sell out this class. And so wherever you decide to do paid marketing, you know that you've got a goal of if I spend $500, is that going to get me to to that goal? And some of that's like just learning as you go. Um, But if you're if you've got a big goal, you might need to put some money behind it to be able to get there. And then finally, be really clear about what those uh, we call them the marketing terminology. So all of you can walk away with something a good nugget is KPIs. It means key performance indicators. So my goal is selling out this uh, this yoga retreat, and uh, it's going to take 25 students to be able to do that. And I want to spend $500 and the things I'll be looking for, my key performance indicators are probably visits to my website and actual purchases of that retreat. And so I know that if I got enough to cover the cost, let's say I spent $500 and um, I got five people signed up and maybe that generated $2,500, that's a pretty good return. That might be good for me. Um, So yeah, so setting your, is it right for you? Do you, what are your expectations, goals, and do you have a timeline? And then knowing what those metrics of success are going to be. So how do I know that somebody went to my website and then signed up? That's a great question. So it can be a little bit challenging depending on where you're marketing. Um, what I'll say is the this is why your owned digital, so my website or whatever is most important because you'll have much more access to knowing Ginny came to my website and clicked on this button and purchased it. But there's some things that you can do across different channels and you can talk to a professional if you're not sure. And a lot of this information is available online, um, but there are tracking links. So if you're doing, if you're on MindBody as an example, um, there are usually tracking links that you can have for a particular class. Same thing if you're doing like Eventbrite. I'm doing a yoga workshop and I'm selling tickets on Eventbrite. Eventbrite can generate for me a link that allows me to see when I post this link on Facebook on an ad, I can see this person clicked on this ad and then they booked. And this was the amount of money that they were able to generate. If you can't get that information, if you can't get tracking data, you can use a little bit of guesstimation, right? So I had zero people sign up for the last month and a half. And then I put $200 and I had six people sign up. Some amount of those six people were very likely from the money that you spent. So whether you're able to get tracking, that's the best way to do it, is if you can get tracking links, the best way to do it. And then secondarily from that, you can sort of just use um, correlative information. I didn't have, I wasn't spending money, then I did, and then people booked. Woohoo! And this is uh, amazing technology to someone my age. 
Because in the old days, we would ask people when they signed up, what and where did you, yeah, where did you come from? And it would be a we would find out if there was you know a referral from somebody, or they'd say they'd just literally tell us. But that was very cumbersome and not enough to you know really compare to the analytics analytics that they have today. You bring up a really good point, though. I just want to touch on that because um, that's genius. Is if you can't get tracking. Maybe you do have an, a, f- a waiver that you have set everybody sign off on. It still makes sense to put on that waiver, digital or paper. Where did you hear about this? Facebook. Great. So you know that your activities there were, an impact, were of impact. So how do the yoga philosophies tie into marketing? Um, because in the end, we don't want to – we have some resistance as yoga teachers with blatantly advertising. We don't want to take advantage of people. We tend to um, want to respect people's privacy, et cetera, et cetera. And so is there a way we can feel yogic as we go ahead and market and try to find success, you know, monetary success? Absolutely. Um, I feel very much about this. And when I'm doing other types of marketing anyway, I tend to be a pretty ethical marketer. I really don't want to get creepy, right? Like I want you to say, oh, I like yoga. And so I go, here's this yoga thing you might like. I don't want it to be like, I like red socks and blue blankets. And I'm like, ooh, you like red socks and blue blankets. You must like yoga. That's sort of creepy, right? That's like a little invasive. So starting with the yamas, it's really easy because that talks about how we engage with the outside world a lot. So Uh, certainly things like doing no harm. Does the product that you sell or the service that you sell is, is, does it have the potential to be harmful in some way? Are you making sure that you're including really clear communication and information for people to be able to make the right purchasing decision? This, this can really go back to making sure that if you're a yoga alliance person, you're following our scope of practice, right? So I, I can't say that this is going to be a heal all seminar for yoga because that's not if i'm if i'm talking about medical things that's not within my scope of practice. So the first piece is doing no harm and that's that's pretty easy. Satya of course is is easy as well from the sense that just be honest, right? If you're if you're going to be offering a particular product or service, are you saying that it's got outlandish results? Be clear about what it is that you're offering and that's just that goes back to class descriptions and simple things like that. Um Astea is really good too because we think about this from the perspective of monetarily a lot, right? Are we stealing money from people? And that's where it can get really tricky for yoga people to be like, I'm asking for money to do this thing. And I don't really know if I feel like I should be asking for money. And we we have that discussion in the 200 as well that, yep, yeah, you can and you should. There's an exchange of energy and money is just an exchange of energy. But also think about time. Can you get the point across in your marketing? It doesn't have to be this long 70 page or, you know, 500 word thing. If you can very clearly say, here's the class, here's the information, you are being respectful of somebody's time. And that also goes back to marketing. Is it super intrusive? Is it showing up in places that it ought not show up? Or is it being helpful when somebody's looking for something? You're like, oh, here's another thing you might like. If you have 70 pop ups on your website, probably not doing a great job of being respectful of people's time. It might be stealing a little bit, a little bit of it. Um, and then same for uh, sort of right use of energy, making sure you're mindful of suggestive content. Um, we, because yoga falls into sort of this wellness and fitness, there's a lot of times where you'll see people scantily clad or whatever. 
can you be mindful of not hypersexualizing or objectifying people in your marketing content? Is it all women in bikinis practicing yoga or is it more inclusive and mindful and respectful? Um, are you or only using that wow factor to sell your classes? And then non-greed, make sure you're really, uh, I'm going to take a quick step back. When you are, when we're talking about a parigraha or non-greed, I really want to be very clear about who you're targeting. And that's key there is if you're targeting everybody, you're targeting nobody. And if you're targeting everybody, not everybody is going to be ready or is going, it's going to be appropriate to get your message. So when you're going through and deciding who you're marketing to, if you're like, oh, everybody should have yoga. Well, maybe they shouldn't. And that's pretty greedy. If you're like, everybody needs to see me. I'm the best teacher. I'm the only person. Think about who really resonates with you. It's a great time to like really hone in on these are the people I want to reach. I want to reach women who've gone through child loss or menopause or people who are experiencing mobility issues or whatever, being really clear about who you want to serve and using that to make sure that you're not being greedy and trying to target everybody. So that's all the yamas that I would apply to marketing strategy. And what about the neons? Well, that's all interior work, right? So, I mean, we're talking about making sure that our spaces and our materials are clean. I really think about this because I'm on the computer all the time doing marketing. You may be in a yoga studio all the time, but um, wherever you find yourself, is it a clean space for you to work and think? So my digital files are pretty meticulous. I don't have a bunch of photos with weird names. My digital files are pretty clean. It allows me to find things really easily and move through really quickly. That also means that marketing is faster for me to do. And then, of course, Santosha, right? Contentment. When I set a business goal, can I be comfortable when I've achieved that goal? Or can I be comfortable just doing the business towards that goal without an attachment to the outcome? And then, of course, um, when we're building our business, it takes a really large amount of dedication, just like our yoga practice. Marketing is also a practice. Business is also a practice. So coming to it every day consistently with that same sort of ded dedication. And then, as we've talked about already, we've talked already a lot about uh, Svadhyaya, right? Knowing your business, what you need, what your business needs, what you want, who you want to target. Um, so that's that's all of that. And then um, Ishvara Pradayana is really just, can I give it up, right? Can I just know that what is meant for me will be for me in business and in life and in marketing and all of that stuff? So yeah. Wonderful. All right. So now let's move on to... Um Okay, I'm going to put together some ads, and I want people to come in. How do I know where to start? What kind of um, material do I want to put out in the world for people to find that maybe will inspire them or be interested in me as a teacher? Yeah, that's a, a great question. And I think it, it it's good to sort of start a step back and say, when I'm putting marketing together, what does that mean? What is what is content? What is marketing content? And the context can be defined in sort of two ways. Marketing content is any visual, verbal, or written materials for or about your business. So it could be an ad, it could be a blog post, it could be a website. But content can also be within that blog, the photos and the links and the written copy. So content can be a couple different things. Um, and to decide how we want to create it, 
start with what you're selling, right? So if you have classes, that's a wealth of content. Um, I'll, I'll say I'm going to go through a couple of steps in this next section that you can actually follow with your business. So if you are listening along and you're not driving and it's safe for you to do so, pull out a notebook of any of the notes from a recent class that you've done. And as we go through this discussion, you can actually work through a content plan utilizing the things that we'll talk about. So um, very simply, again, co- marketing content, and knowing what you want to come up with is we're, we're going to be thinking about what verbal, visual, written, and linked content do we want to have um, out there in the world about our business. All right. So I'm going to need some examples of sure. what that is. Um, and we're talking about, like right now, I am doing a podcast mm-hmm. with somebody that came through our business that uh, had something wonderful to share. And is this content? Yeah, 100%. So that's a great point. Um, the When you're starting with content, whatever you're selling, right? So in, in your case, it's yoga trainings for people who are inclined to probably teach someday or provide yoga therapy services. Um, you're not necessarily just doing yoga classes for beginners off the street. This is really meant to be a spiritual and a, an academic endeavor for you to really dive deep with this material. So one of the pieces of content that you have is all your course material. And another piece of content that you have is this podcast. So how do you decide where to put your energies? Because I'll be honest, um, if I'm going to be here doing a podcast, I am not writing a blog and (laughs) I am not teaching a class. Yeah, I'm a stickler for efficiency. So that's a really good point. I think it's easiest to start with content you already have at hand. So again, this is a great time to pull out your notebook if you have course material that you've done. That you, this podcast is a great example of this for, for you, Ginny, because this podcast is based off of the materials that you teach in the 200, 300, and yoga therapy programs. So start with what you have and build from there. And that makes it so much easier. It's like if you're trying to think about what you're going to have for every single meal all day long, that gets to be a little challenging. But if you meal prep, you've got a whole, you know, soy turkey. And then you can cut it up for seven days. It makes it a whole lot easier. So if you can think about it from the biggest stuff first, whatever you've already got, that's great content to start with. You don't have to do anything extra or special. Start with what you are already doing. If you're teaching a whole program, that program content can be broken down in a bunch of different ways. If you're just teaching classes, that's killer content too. And how exactly is a class content? Oh my gosh. Thanks for asking. Well, the one of the things about content to remember is it really is just a sensory experience. So in a class, there are things that people are feeling, smelling, touching, tasting, and hearing. And so we can think about that class in a lot of different ways. So if you have your class plan next to you, you probably have a theme. And that theme is a piece of content. So if I'm talking about a parigraha in a class, perhaps a writing about a parigraha could be a piece of content to promote that class. Do you have a peak pose in that class? That peak pose and some discussion around that peak pose or a photo of that peak pose is a piece of content. Did you have a playlist that you put together or a particular artist that you talked about? That is a piece of content. Perhaps you're sharing a link to a Spotify playlist or a Pandora playlist that you recommend that relates to that, or you're talking about the singing bowl and how to do that in a class. Um, You might also have used an essential oil. So perhaps a piece of content is, here's the blend I use today and why. These are the koshas that it 
you know, impacts and where I was trying to go. Um, You might also have done any hands-on adjustments or physical things like that. And again, that could be visual content. And then if you did any readings, that's also content. So if you have your notebook next to you, those are the things you highlight. The theme, your peak pose, any essential oils that you used, any readings that you did, any music that you had, every single piece of those is content. So in just one class alone, you can have dozens of pieces of content. So it's not really content. It's brainstorming for content, correct? I mean, I'm going to, I want to be specific here. So I, as a yoga teacher, have taught this dynamic class and I have the essential oils and I sit down with that information and I'm like, oh, I've got all kinds of ideas of how I can create content. But there's got to be another step. I'm going to have to take a picture of those essential Mm -hmm. oils or write something. There has to be some act of creation to make it something that I produce that I put somewhere. Yes. Yeah, you're right. So it's not just like it magically manifests itself. It's not going to just because you highlighted it in your notebook doesn't mean it's (laughs) magically going to go on Facebook, which would be great. But that's not how technology works yet. Yet. Um, But it's really take each of those and break them down into smaller pieces. And then you have to collect the media. So that might mean you're writing two sentences. That might mean you're utilizing Canva hot tip is a free design tool. It's super easy to get comfortable with, but it's a great way for you to load in stock imagery or imagery that you've taken on your phone um, or generate an illustration that might have just a list of your essential oils. So creating the images, the video and the illustrations. And I know that can seem really intimidating and like a lot of work. Um, but I find if you've got a class and you want to break it down, you can get all of that done in a pretty short amount of time if you're really clear about what content you want to get. When we're thinking about this on the large scale, you know, multi-million dollar businesses, you're really thinking about what what shot list, what images do I need to capture to be able to do this? If it's whether it's a, a yoga class or it's a new pair of yoga pants or chakra jewelry or whatever the case might be, what images do I want to have that go with that? What copy do I write to go with that? Is there a link where people can take action on that? Um, so yeah, it doesn't magically pop off the page, but it's a really good guide point for from this. I can then say, let me take photos of these shots. Let me let me create a visual that talks about this particular essential oil blend. And there's a lot of ways to make that easier. And I will say it's hard to start. It does get easier over time. Yes, I will admit, because I am an older yoga teacher and I've been around a long time, that a part of me was very, very resistant to this. And I'm like, ah, oh, that's a younger person's game, right? But what happened was young people with very little um, experience were just so good on social media that they were, you know, getting a lot of attention and a lot of people stopping in. And then what I felt we had valuable things to share and yet nobody was finding us. And eventually I had to admit, okay, you're going to have to kind of step into the way people communicate today if you want people to find you. It's just, you can't buy a newspaper ad anymore like you could in the old days and hope that was going to bring people to your door. So I do think that we have to sometimes face our resistance or Mm -hmm. our um, intimidation Mm -hmm. with some of these things. And I have learned, because I am older, that there are some wonderful programs and wonderful things out there that really are quite user-friendly if you just sit down and decide, okay, I'm just going to learn it. Just going to practice and try with it. 
And if you're intimidated in doing that, you can lean into the yoga practices anyway, anyway, right? Like some of that is just our resistance to change. Some of that is our, our, we have this attachment to the way things have always been in business or the way things have always been in our studio. And there are ways that you can use this f- fear or resistance to engage with your community, right? You knew that there are there's a whole new generation of potential yoga teachers that are going to these places to consume content and can you show up and be with them meet them where they are and that applies to marketing and it applies to when you have people on the mat if you show up in a class and the vibe is totally not what you thought it was going to be most yoga teachers well-trained yoga teachers are going to adjust to accommodate the needs of the yogis that are in the room and help take them from where they are in their journey to a little bit farther down the path. And it's no different from the marketing side, right? Meet people where they are and get them a little bit farther along their journey. It's terrific. So how do I, uh, as someone who doesn't have a lot of experience, how am I going to get some good photos and good video for my, you know, ability to put together and produce some of this content? Well, I, we talked a little bit, I mentioned briefly about sensory experiences. So this is a really great way to do some yoga for yourself. I really like to think about before I go into a yoga class, I'm really thinking about what am what are the experiences I have as a student in that class. And regardless of what it is that we're selling, that's what we're trying to communicate to somebody. So to get good content, uh, don't think that you need to have a snazzy DSLR camera or like the highest quality video, our phones have better uh, camera capabilities than I, I, when I was a junior in high school, I got a five megapixel uh, digital camera. It was like a big deal. And then five years later, my phone was 20 times better than that. So don't feel like you need to have all this crazy expensive equipment. You've got an expensive computer in your pocket, probably right now. Um, So the first piece is just knowing that what you have right now is perfect. Start where you are and move on from there. And you might make mistakes along the way and that's okay. The uh, couple pieces from visual content that are most important are lighting is super important. So the better, more natural light you can get, the easier it will be. It doesn't necessarily mean that those photos are going to be better, but the easier that it's going to be. And play around with framing. So let's say as an example, A great way to get content is uh, if you are hosting a yoga class, um, maybe you have a guest teacher, maybe you're the teacher, but if you make it, perhaps you're doing a lower cost or no cost yoga class so that you can take pictures and everybody signs off on a video video or photo waiver, um, you can try, does close look better? Does far away look better? If I put somebody in the bottom left-hand corner, does it look better or the bottom right-hand corner? So think about lighting and think about framing. And like we talked about already, think about the sort of sensory experience. How do you do that? Um, One other note that I'll make is taking one photo and having that one photo come out right. You know this from your dance background. It's really hard to get a photo of somebody in motion and have it come out crisp and clear. So there's a couple tricks that your camera on your phone has, which are awesome. So utilizing something like burst mode, and you can Google for your particular phone how to do that. Or take a video and then later pull a still out of that video. So you can literally go frame by frame and say, oh, Ginny had one eye closed at that time, and this is the one where she's smiling and she looks peaceful and resonant and radiant and gorgeous and wonderful and happy and centered and yogic. Pick that one. You don't have to do the one with one eye open, one eye closed. So video and uh, using burst are great ways to capture content. 
That's fabulous. So now I'm maybe getting a little more savvy. I'm sort of learning how to do some of these things. Where do I find time to do all this? <laughs> I mean, honestly, I'm really busy with just teaching and trying to run a business. I get it. And I, I, I want to qualify this by saying I started out doing social media content when I was working at the front desk of hotels. So I was already working 10 or 12 or 14 or 16 hours a day in heels behind a desk with 200 people coming in and 200 people leaving. So I know what it's like to be under strict t- time constraints. Now I get to sit behind my computer and I could spend my time doing that all day long. But it wasn't always like that. And it's really, again, about what time do you have available? Is it easier for you to commit five minutes a day or is it easier for you to commit maybe 20 minutes a week or an hour a week to it? So just decide what works best for you. Is there a time of day that works best for you? I'm a much more creative person in the evening than I am in the morning. I can't do really anything useful first thing in the morning. So bear that in mind. So pick a small amount of time and build up from there. So if it's five minutes a day, that might be one photo and one sentence and one link, and that's one post, and that goes out. Awesome. Or maybe you get into the swing of it, and you're like, you know what? I'm on a roll. I'm going to do this. Maybe you take three photos, and you write five sentences, and you have two links, and maybe you at Heartwood Yoga Institute on that post, and that gives you four or five pieces of content that you can schedule out ahead of time. So the first is find time that works for you. And then the second is leverage technologies to be efficient. So you can't be all places all of the time. I'm not always going to be able to post at 9.03 every single morning, but I can probably schedule at 6 p.m. the night before to post at 9.03 in the morning. So there are a lot of really cool tools that are available for that. Things like there's some tools like Sprout Social, Hootsuite, Meet Edgar. There's a lot of social media scheduling tools and marketing scheduling tools, uh, whether it's an email or whether it's text message marketing that can schedule that stuff out ahead of you, uh, for you, ahead of time for you, days or weeks or months ahead of time. So I can sit down on a Sunday evening and plan a whole week's worth of posts? You can plan a whole month's or a whole year's worth of content. Um, There's a a tool that I've utilized a lot in the past. I think of content as um, whatever place I'm posting, whether it be my website or on social media, I think of it as an empty vessel and I layer in my content. So there are some things that are going to be large and immovable, like holidays. Christmas doesn't really change. I don't know if anybody knows that, but generally it's on the same day or somewhere around the same day every year. So I can do a Christmas post in July if I wanted to, because that date's not going to go anywhere. Um, I might know my classes ahead of time. So there might be local events that are going on. Maybe there's a large convention that happens every year or there's a wellness retreat that happens every year. And you know that ahead of time. Um, So you can schedule those things ahead of time. And then there might be promotions. So you might know that you have your 200 hours starting in January and June and November. And so you know that you want to do content around your 200 hour, back it up a little bit, right? If it starts on June 1st, you probably want to do your promotions in May or April. So you can schedule 200 hour posts in April so that you don't have to worry about it. And you know that that's going to happen. Then you get to spend the fun time filling in that with, I went on this retreat myself, and this was my experience on the retreat, and that's just sort of like a happy pop-up. Perhaps you engage in uh, reoccurring content like a Wellness Wednesday conversation, and you want to do a post every Wednesday. Again, I could come up with 52 pieces of content 
on a Sunday night and then schedule it for the rest of the year so that I don't have to worry about it. Well, thank you, Emily. You've shared an awful lot of information here. Is there any way you could just do a recap and put in order how we might address these things if we do really want to decide to create a marketing plan and sink our teeth into maybe getting some new results? Absolutely. We did cover a whole lot of ground today. So I'm going to recap that in six simple steps. The first step is decide what your business goals are going to be, what's right for you and what's right for your business. And the second step would be who are your targets? So what yogis are you trying to contact and where are they? So that's step number three is plan your channels. Where are your yogis and where do you want to be? The next step, step number four, is plan your content using your existing material. Whether that's classes or podcasts or training documents, plan your content using your existing material. Step number five is actually creating that content. So again, think about smell, sight, taste, touch, and feel, and use that to create beautiful visual content. And then finally, Uh, Step number six is schedule ahead of time so that you don't have to clone yourself or use a time turner or use research and development dollars to go towards building a time machine. So now um, let me get some examples. If my business goal was I would like to increase um, a, I want to get membership into a class that I'm teaching for caregivers. And I think I've got this wonderful workshop or class I'm going to do. So that's, I've kind of defined both my audience and if there are 50 spots in this big old, well, I wouldn't have that big a workshop, but let's say I did. Let's say I'm in some, some area where I can have 50 people. So that's my defined goal. And I have my audience. I think about where the caregivers might hang out mm-hmm. and that might be through either um, marketing through doctor's offices possibly, but also maybe Facebook mm-hmm. uh, if I decide to target to people that uh, have the same interest. And once I've defined that, then I move from there with those three goals into the content creation. Mm-hmm. And If I have never taught this workshop before, what happens? How do I take a picture of something I've never done? (laughs) Well, we can do a little bit of finagling and staging, right? So if you have an idea, maybe you've already got your plan. There's two ways you can take it. Well, there's, there's three ways, but I'll go over the very easiest two ways. The first is come up with some filler content. So if you know that you're going to be teaching certain poses or you're going to be having a lecture on certain things, you might just get a friend and say, hey, I need to stage this. Can you come over and take a few photos of me? Or will you sit and let me have somebody take photos of you? Or if you don't want to use photo content, again, we talked about Canva earlier. So you might choose to use a design to put some copy on a, a stock image background. So you don't necessarily need to be creating original content every time even if you've never done it before. This happens a lot when like you're opening a hotel or a restaurant. You haven't even, you don't have a kitchen to cook your main chicken dish. What are you going to do? So you think about the colors for the business and you can come up with some creative visuals that don't have photos in them at all. And then we're going to plan those release so they come in a consistent way so that people will, will find us. Yep. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate it very much. I do know that um, it can be uh, awesome 
experience to be able to get our message out, but it can also be one that is very difficult to tackle for someone who is new to all of this. And what I appreciate most is that you've also related that back to the Yoga Sutras so that we can feel good about our businesses and about our attempts. I don't think marketing means taking advantage of people. It means providing a service that they are truly looking for. And if we believe in what we're teaching, then it is a good thing to get the word out and to bring more people to the altar of yoga. Absolutely. There's a lovely uh, turn that I, I liked if you're thinking about sales and marketing. There's this, you know, always be closing sort of mentality. And I really like the methodology of always be helping is what I'm doing. Every piece that I put out, is it helping somebody in some way? So if you can always be helping, we're yogis. And so that's what we're hoping to do anyway. So it, it works well with our philosophies anyway. I love that. Thank you so much for joining us. Now, there are people out there who are just not going to be any good at this <laughs> or don't have time for this. And um, I've been in that category quite a bit. So is there anything that you have to recommendation, you know, any recommendations you have for us of places where we might get support or help? And um, I know that you yourself um, advise people and counsel and have worked. So can you share a little bit about that? Absolutely. So as I mentioned earlier, I do have a consulting business. It's Penn Daily Consulting, and I offer branding, marketing, and sustainability services for specifically for business and travel, tourism, and wellness. Very specifically, I've chosen wellness. So if you need additional support or you need guidance on finding somebody who can help you, you can reach out to me at pendaily.com, P-E-N-D-A-I-L-E-Y.com. And I have a bonus for any listeners of the podcast for today. So if you email me at emily at pendaily.com and let me know that you heard about this on the Yoga Perspectives podcast, I've actually created a PDF document that's a content calendar. So it makes it really easy to layer in holidays and your promotions and all that other content so we can get you going down that path. Um, so again, if you need help, there's lots of great resources online, but pendaily.com, if you reach out to me there, I can give you some customized guidance on who you might want to reach out to. I'm available to provide those services as well. And then if you email me, I'm happy to give you uh, a content calendar that will get you moving in the right direction. That's fantastic. And I will say, if I wanted to hire anyone to help me and um, counsel me in marketing a yoga business, I certainly would want a yogi. <laughs> so <laughs> the fact that you also have that experience makes you doubly appropriate for the job. So thank you for joining us. And um, I hope that you'll be back and for future subjects. It's my pleasure. It was great to be here. Thanks, Jenny. Thank you for joining us for the Yoga Perspectives podcast. We hope the conversations offered here informs and inspires your practice, helping you to connect with yoga on a deeper level. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please like and subscribe. For more information about Heartwood Yoga Institute, check us out at heartwoodyogainstitute.com. We are honored to be a part of your ever-unfolding yoga journey and encourage you to not only live your yoga, but to share the wisdom with others. Namaste.